What one man in Russia can pull off in weeks that kills thousands, initiate the mass exodus of millions, launch a systematic destruction of a nation, just think of what another man, satanically inspired, celebrated by nations, can accomplish in, in, let's say, three and a half years. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. Might we say God's moving closer to pulling out all the stops? You see, when you pull the stops on a pipe organ, it, it plays the sounds big, loud, and clear. It shakes the whole building, and it shakes its contents. God's beginning to do some shaking. He'll use wars, rumors of wars, widespread ethnic conflicts, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. I suggest he'll use those occurrences come sooner rather than later. The Bible calls them the beginning of sorrows. He hasn't even begun to pull out all the stops. God uses disasters as timing indicators for the day of the Lord, a great day and a terrible day. But having said that, it's important we understand the broader, the bigger picture in the prophetic book of Joel. The prophet presents prophecy that reveals an historical fulfillment, but it's, but it's also packed with revelation of its ultimate fulfillment at the end of this age. He speaks to the leadership of a nation and the general population in how they are to respond. This is important for us because our response to the preliminary events now in these days must be commensurate or or equal to what Joel called for in his day, maybe even more so. In Joel 2.28, throughout the remainder of the book, the focus shifts from a locust plague, Babylonian military invasion. It shifts to the end of this age, Jacob's trouble, the coming great tribulation. Listen, he pulls out all the stops for which he, that is God, for which he takes full responsibility. Listen to Joel chapter 1, verse 15. Alas for the day. <laughs> My friend, that's, that's an expression of grief. Alas for the day. For the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Listen to the commands from Joel in light of the crisis. Give ear, hear, tell your children, awake, weep, and wail, lament, be ashamed. Pass the night in sackcloth, consecrate, consecrate a fast, call and gather to cry out together. All that in just chapter 1. Today is the day. Develop an intercessor's heart, weep and wail over the spiritual conditions in the church because they're pathetic. Prepare yourself in the Word of God to give ear and tell your children and your grandchildren what the Bible says is to come and why. This is not a popular pursuit in comfortable Western culture, which is really not as comfortable as it used to be. But it's very necessary, a necessary response. God brings judgments. Get that into your head and heart. The Apostle Paul points out in Romans chapter 8 that the creation itself groans and labors with birth pains, seeking deliverance from the bondage of sin and death. Interestingly, it's the birth pains that Jesus points to in his discourse on the events that will precede his return. The Word of God is pregnant with prophetic revelation, and I would suggest the church will soon become 
incapacitated with anything less than prophetic intercession in houses of prayer all over the world. The church in a gathering house. Might the Spirit be saying, let's let's start gathering now rather than waiting? Learning how to pray, how to pray in the Spirit, receiving a prophetic unction, an expression that arises deep within our souls. Beloved, that's where we'll gain the divine strategies for the coming days. That's where the Lord will settle our hearts, replacing fear and terror with calmness and confidence. Joel is so powerfully relevant to us in this hour in history because just as God used those natural disasters and the military conflicts in Joel's day, he'll also use natural disasters and military conflicts in our day. He'll present his purposes before the nations. The problem Few will be listening. You see, I'm a bit of a contrarian, believing the Holy Spirit is encouraging the church to not only be that voice, it'll require believers all over the world to curb their prayers for governmental and cultural favor and instead turn their attention to sacred assemblies where prophetic anointing will speak of divine strategies in the critical days. I I know that's a radical thought for some, especially as we view the condition of the Western government and the, the slow dismantling of institutions and moral absolutes. As I said a few weeks ago, a Disneyland theology of, of wishing upon a star for the return of the good old days that's going to literally bring a deaf ear and a blank stare from the heavenlies. You see, the body of Christ will minister in the context of apocalyptic evangelism, having the word of the Lord in season, hard words, difficult words that are comprehended and responded to through a voluntary weakness, a fasted life. Such response will be necessary because of the severity of the demonic agendas and the rage of the nations against the Lord and against his anointed. Nearly every fabric of Western culture we've exported to the nations speaks of rebellion, compromise, and sin, and and much of what we've imported from the simple movement that began way back there in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago has become a cutting-edge experiment with the great American gospel enterprise. Joel explains Judah's rebellion and compromise against God is the problem. Not the locusts, not the Babylonians. We, the 21st century church, must come to grips with the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, future disasters affecting the air, water, vegetation, the entire ecosystem. And again, God takes full responsibility. Jesus taught the natural created order would convulse before his return. With about seven and a half billion souls on the planet today and the exponential growth of the population, it becomes clear, abundantly clear, how perhaps more than a a billion will perish in the Great Tribulation. The Bible says up to a third of the population in Israel will be wiped out. (laughs) The, The natural created order will convulse before the return of the Lord. Satan in a man of sin and without restraint will be responsible for the deaths of many in the very land to which Messiah is returning. Jesus' description of the end times in the Gospels 
all draw from Isaiah chapter 24. The scholars call it the prophet's little apocalypse. The violent breaking of the earth, the burning of its inhabitants, all point to where few men are left. How about verse 5? The earth will also be defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Verse 6, Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. You see, the context is not the end of the millennium. It's the post-tribulational day of the Lord. We believe the covenant referred to here is not just the moral standards of the law, but what the Holy Spirit through Daniel will call the Holy Covenant that will again be centered in Jerusalem. You know, it really doesn't make, make any difference if that's troubling. And the reason is because it is. God's word to his church is that we will not be subject to his wrath, a wrath directed at an evil, rebellious world. His judgments are righteous, they're just, they're true for the the sake of love and mercy. Revelation is clear that when God pours out his wrath at the end, men will be calling on death as they continue to curse God and die. While we'll not be targeted by God's wrath, certainly we will be subject to the rage of Satan. That's also clear in the book of Revelation. Read it. Chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. All that said, the prophet Joel provides a threefold response on our part to the crisis. The only prophet who points to a necessary response. I promise you the Bible, the Bible says if you do not wholeheartedly respond, things will not go well. Listen to what Joel says here. Here the unprecedented realities of the Lord's judgments, verses 1 through 3. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, you inhabitants of the land. Hear this, you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Hear this, church leadership. Hang the programs for a while. Start presenting the apocalyptic word of the Lord. You may lose half your congregation, but so what? Those who stick it out and hear the word of the Lord will become a voice to a generation and participants in the greatest revival in history. Daniel also says, discern, discern with the spiritual eyes. Have have insight and understanding. Joel asks, has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Folks, that's a rhetorical question. Of course it hasn't. Nothing to this degree has ever happened like this before. Then he tells us to tell, tell, tell the grandkids, tell the kids, Now's the time to disciple the next generation. We need spiritual mothers and fathers in the church. Now, more than ever, those mature in the Word of God with uncompromising love toward a generation looking for answers. Verse 3, Joel tells us, Tell your children, tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Listen to what else the prophet commands us. Gather together in corporate intercession and fasting. Verses 13 and 14. Gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Yeah, you pastors, teachers, you spiritual leaders. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. 
for the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. At the end of the day, we'll be radically apostolic, divinely sent, a people who know their God, a people of understanding who will teach many, or we will be radically apostate, one who abandons his faith and participates in the great falling away. We'll be one or the other. Much to consider here, folks. And Joel's just getting started, a military invasion in Joel's day, and the ultimate incursion of the Antichrist in ours. And how about this? An outpouring of the Holy Spirit before the day of the Lord. Yes, before his return. And to think there are pastors today that barely mention his name. I encourage you to read these three short chapters again and again. There are, there are plenty of takeaways. There's a generation asking deep, searching questions. Give them answers from God's Word. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, you are getting ready to pull out all the stops. There's a sound coming from the heavens that will be loud and distinct, not some clanging symbol of the past, rather the voice of your Holy Spirit in the time of crisis. Father, your word says, have ears to hear, to hear what the Spirit is saying. I believe you're preparing a generation to hear that word and issue the proper response. Lord, give us the grace necessary and the the wisdom to navigate the critical days ahead. I believe with all my heart you will do just that if we'll humble ourselves before you now. Without further delay, we're asking, Father, we're expecting, we're expecting all this in the name of our Lord. Amen and amen. Beloved, share this word with your family and friends. You'll get looks, you'll get pushback, but we'll also see agendas cease and hearts break before the Spirit of the living God. Maranatha! I'm Bill Nordstrom.